Hello and welcome to Active Listeners with Mike and Shane. Each week, we will discuss our lives, our goals, and our expectations as artists, as well as discuss what it is to be an artist. Performers, visual artists, and musicians. Mike and I, we want to talk to you, and we want to talk to you about what you do, why you do it, and what that art really means to you. We'll have guests to discuss artistic expression and the all-around nature of the artist's lifestyle. And try to answer that question. Is there a de facto artist lifestyle? Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and join us in the conversation. Hello and welcome to Active Listeners with your hosts, Mike and Shane. And this week, we are going to have a conversation about conversation. A conversation about conversations. Now, about conversations we have with people or about how we have those conversations with people? I think the proper verbiage to use would be discourse. Having a discussion about combating ideologies and how we do that in society. Where those connections succeed and where those connections come apart. And I think art helps us bridge that gap a lot of times. Well, I know this is definitely a place where I falter constantly. The Daily. The ability to talk to someone that I don't have a, an established shorthand with is always a rocky road. I always notice that when I meet with new people because we inevitably have this weird cross-conversation and missed moments and then there's this weird uproar of anger and then it's over and then all of a sudden me and this person have a have an established shorthand but i don't know why i have to frustrate people to get there i should probably think about that (laughs) i often for myself find that face to face i'm a lot better than i am on the dreaded social media you are very aggressive on social media. <laughs> and I think we've all kind of been uh, conditioned to be, right? Where there's something about talking to another person that you don't know without the pressures of maintaining a working relationship or maintaining a relationship at all. And it's almost not a conversation. It's almost throwing your opinion into a void and hoping that they decide to pick it up. There's no back and forth unless they choose to go back and forth. It's not that I can't choose to have a constructive conversation. It's just that so many people online choose not to that it's like your default is that well this person isn't interested in that so i'm not going to give them that once in a while i'll be like all right you know what maybe maybe he's not a bad faith actor maybe he's going to actually make some points that are in favor of moving this conversation along most of the time i feel like it doesn't i used to also be a bit of a keyboard warrior myself and i always just lived by the motto but there are people wrong on the internet (laughs) and for some reason i thought i was the arbiter of truth and then i sort of realized that everything i was saying was just going into this echo chamber which i've learned to appreciate but i needed to cut social media out of my life for a decent amount of time before i recognized what 
good the echo chamber had to offer. But while I was just screaming into that void and thinking I was making a difference, it was unhealthy. And there's certainly uh, a bit of like, I just like the tea, you know? I just kind of like it. I just kind of like getting into just, it's uh, maybe I'm a little frustrated today and I just want to unload on somebody that really isn't going to feel bad that I unloaded on them. So yeah, and I will say that I've tried to keep that type of activity on Twitter. That's kind of what Twitter is for. Yeah, Facebook tends to be a little more familial oriented. It's people yeah. you know that you've worked with, gone to school Yeah, with. and then you know, you're joining groups on Facebook and the point of those groups is to come together over a common interest. You know, it's difficult sometimes because you have so much overlap, right, of different perspectives that come together to talk about one thing and it's hard to keep your conversation on that one thing where the twitter is basically made for blipping trolly type nonsense out absolutely of people. and absolutely. like it's almost like you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of like middle school when you're at in the cafeteria in a circle around two people that are just like verbally tearing each other apart back and forth and it's almost like a game when can i chime in sure it's like your mama jokes but about politics look i have been paying really close attention to politics lately and your mama jokes fit in real well with this real well especially in american politics you know the the two-party duopoly the you know, I've said this before. It's the Super Bowl, baby. It's the Super Bowl, baby. And once in a while, you know, you have people like me who are like on an underdog team that that are they're trying really hard to be relevant. And don't worry, he's but... not a libertarian. <laughs> and we have been trained in this bifurcation of thought in this Super Bowl baby mentality that if there is something that deserves conversation, that there is a left and a right, a uh, black and a white. There are two sides to the coin when, in reality, conversing is so much more nuanced than that because you can't split the population into two equal representative groups, which means you can't have a conversation about just about anything without digging into the nitty gritty. And what I find most of the time is when you're having a conversation with someone and you're disagreeing almost all of the time you're saying the same thing you're just coming at it from a different lens or a different perspective so if you're not able to bridge that gap you end up cross talking you end up not making progress in that conversation and that's where i tend to fall as a communicator unfortunately a lot of the time i think what the crux of most of this is is that we are at a point in in our ability to communicate the 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 speed at which we communicate the range at which our voices travel that we haven't evolved the capacity to really handle up until a very short time ago at least on the grand scheme of things your voice could only travel as far as a newspaper a postman could take it and then like bang like the telegraph happened and tv happened and radio and like we've spent most of human history living inside small communities and 
only really interacting with other small communities, either on behalf of your community or in an effort to understand that community. And now we're just forcing our communities to bash their heads together. Yeah. I've been thinking about communication and how it relates to Hamilton because there's a moment in the show where Jefferson is coming back from overseas and you think how long that journey is and where his voice was that whole time it was with him he had there was no means of delivering things ahead of yourself or even behind yourself in in those times until we had a means to do it your voice was with you or what you could write down or what you could transport with a horse or a bird or uh, as fast as you could carry it i find that especially with our guest that we're having on today pat jarrett who is a photographer and a phenomenal photographer i find that when I'm with him and he gets into these modes of I'm going to create, it is never by himself. It is always a conversation, a collaboration with another person. Him and I and my roommate Nick were uh, on a road trip and (laughs) on our trip there was this truck and on the truck it said, F Susie or something like that. It was a very aggressive message written on a white truck with orange spray paint. And he's like, I need this picture. I need it. I need it. I need it. And we're like, fine. Okay. You win. So we turn around, go back to this place and he starts snapping photos. And all of a sudden this guy comes out of this garage and he's like, Hey, you you finding this interesting? And he got a whole story out of what this single image does. And I find that he does that constantly. He is able to narrow down into a single image and force conversation that isn't bilateral. There was a conversation that inevitably led to that crude graffiti being made, which is kind of how art can both inspire, but also it can reduce the totality of a conversation and boil it down to F Susie (laughs) because that's how whoever wrote that on that truck felt after whatever conversation they had with Susie. (laughs) I imagine it didn't. I mean, you usually, you usually don't reserve such vitriol for someone that you had a pleasant conversation. And I was almost the stick in the mud for that moment because I was in the car and I was like, I don't want to turn around. We're making forward progress, blah, 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 blah. But as a photographer, you are literally taking a still shot of what will instantly become the past. And, you know, you, you learn in those moments. In that moment, I, if we hadn't turned around and gotten that picture... Pat would have one less really cool story to tell. (laughs) For sure. That also kind of highlights the difference in how we utilize art. What art forms are used to further which ideas, which aspects of humanity are important to share? He, as a photographer, he has a cultural... Cultural capturer? Sure. He he is someone that, that chronicalizes culture, uh, which is how I would describe a lot of what he does. That's his job. It's his job to is to go out there, have a conversation with, with someone about something, and then take his camera and 
tell that story with his images. And that's that's really cool. And that's that's something that you can uniquely do in that art form. Yeah, and I mean, I don't like to brag, but if you check out my Instagram, I'm a bit of a photographer myself. <laughs> well, thanks to Instagram, we all are. Uh, but never quite as good. I always have a story in my head when I take a picture. And I could tell you that story when you see that picture. But with Pat's work, you can look at that image and you don't need him to tell you the story. It's a talent. And it's observing people like that in my life that have made me try to be better at that type of discourse, to be better at having a, re- a reaction privately in my head and then, and then being able to say to myself, that's a bias reaction. Have it. That's fine. That's your, that's, that's your truth. But also be constructive. Also move into a space in your head and then share from a place of wanting to understand, not wanting to judge. And if you want to help Mike and I be constructive in our discourse, there are ways to do that. You can check out... You can bribe us. You can bribe us. <laughs> you can check out our Patreon by donating a mere $5 a month. You can get access to some extra goodies like our midweek quickie. At $10 a month, you get access to the Active Listeners Podcast Discord, which we affectionately call the Podcord, or I affectionately call the Podcord, and then Shane looks at me strangely. I'm warming up every to time. it. Yeah. I'm warming up to it. I'm, I'll get there. And we will do special things on there, including AUAs, Ask Us Anythings, where you can join the conversation and hop on and talk to us and ask us stuff about personal life or ask us stuff about the universe, whatever might interest you. And every so often, maybe we'll bring on one of the guests that we've talked to and you can get a chance to talk to them as well. So to cash in on that opportunity, go to www.patreon.com slash active listeners pod. And with that, Our guest this evening, Pat Jarrett, he is a photographer, a musician, and the interim director at the Virginia Folklife Program. Pat, please take a moment, introduce yourself, tell us your pronouns, and tell us something about yourself. Hey, uh, Shane, Mike, it's good to be here. It's good to see your faces as close as we can in the weird times. Uh, yeah, um... I'm I'm a he him. Uh I live in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia and I love it here. Uh you want me to tell you something about myself? Like I'm double jointed in my thumb. Used to be both thumbs, but now it's just this thumb. And it hurts when I do it because I'm getting older. So that's something. I never knew that about <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. It's always that thing like in elementary school they're like say something about yourself and I'm like Oh, I could do this with my thumb. Check it out. And it was like, oh, cool. I'm like, yeah. And now it's like on podcasts, you can be like, hey, I'm I'm double jointed. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> it's a podcast. All right. Yeah, so you bad. are double jointed uh, in one thumb. It used, used to be, be two. two. All right. I'm are you? One. Yeah. So is that now? Now fill me in. Is that when your your no? That's thumb a hitchhiker's thumb. Like this. Check this out. So you see see that joint right there? I can like burp, burp, burp. 
It used to For really the be more audience, dramatic. It looks like his thumb is like wiggling like a worm. It's a little disturbing. Yeah. It's a little disturbing. You know, I yeah, just like, discovered my left one hurts when I do that. Maybe right don't do that. See, look at us getting old together in the same ways. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. That's aging for you. It sucks and it hurts more. <laughs> We're all the same in the end. Yeah. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight, by the way? Doing well. We're doing fantastic, yeah. man. Yeah. Good, good. It's been a weird, you know, eight months, mm-hmm. nine now, I guess, of trying to find something to do with ourselves. So we settled on talking to folks like you hey. about things that yeah, we do. I've been, I've been really looking <laughs> forward to this conversation like a lot. Uh, this is oh, yeah? the first one where I didn't write a series of questions for you, Pat. I usually write a bunch of questions up and deliver them to the guest to let them sort of marinate over them. But one of the reasons we were bringing you on was your natural ability to converse and talk to everyone and anyone in kind of <laughs> any given situation. So I felt like giving you questions would have just halted your natural beauty and talent. <laughs> well, hey, I appreciate that. I, You know, it, it's it, that kind of is standard that I've seen is that like, you know, people give out questions like, hey, I'm planning to ask you these. But I, I always thought that would just throw me off. Like, I'm much more better on the fly. Like, throw it at me, man. Let's do it live. Well, between the two of us, we kind of cover both of those styles he'll send out questions and then i'll do what the show implies and just kind of let questions come as as the conversation proceeds i like it yeah so i think it's it's a cool balance between him and i yeah we work well together yeah 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 (laughs) i i I can see that and i'm looking forward to 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 the grilling so (laughs) i I know that you you'd mentioned when you asked me to come on if i would talk about you know you're interested in my ability to converse with basically anybody and that's it came up earlier this evening. I was having dinner with my girlfriend, and she was like, yeah, you can talk to anybody, and that's amazing. And it's like, we, we were talking about, you know, how with some people, you know, they're introverts and extroverts, right? Then they're, they're like the hybrid types of people who are introverts and extroverts. I'm almost certain I'm an extrovert, right? But how introverts need to kind of be alone to kind of refuel i definitely have to go like and it's been really hard i have to socialize to get that i it's it's like i understand the practice of like i have to refuel i have to recharge um for me it's i gotta go out and and just like when we can go to shows again when we can go to concerts uh, i'm i'm gonna be out there at everyone even if i don't like the band i'm just gonna go out and like (laughs) Just be a social butterfly and buy a bunch of drinks for everybody and just be like, what's up, guys? This is awesome. I think of all the things that I was invited to do before. That you did. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I I don't really think. I'm not going to do that. I'm tired. Kids got me up. I'm like, no, hell no. I I will not sleep again for a year. I just have this great image of Pat Jarrett rocking out at a taylor swift concert and everyone's like what are you doing here and he's like living in the moment (laughs) oh i don't know if i'm i don't know if i'm that desperate but maybe (laughs) so pat we're we're talking about your your ability to converse with people and i think it's worth noting that in your in your job that this is kind of where you shine 
because your job gets you into situations and with people that you may or may not have otherwise be engaged with. So as someone that is always having these interactions, do you find that you are just getting better or is this something that's kind of always been easy for you? <laughs> yeah, actually it, it's, it's funny. Um, I think it's always been there. For example, when I was a, a, a kid, I was really popular at the dentist's office uh, because <laughs> because all the hygienists were like, look, he talks like a little adult. <laughs> so like, I'd come in and we'd be, I'd say, hey, how's everybody doing? And like, have a conversation about their day and say things as a, like a six-year-old, like, oh, not necessarily that, but maybe. <laughs> uh, and I'm just curious about people. Like, I really love human beings. It's funny. All right. We'll, we'll get down this road kind of, like, we can get down this road kind of deep. Because, you know, I have a job and, and a career with the Virginia Folklife Program, and I love it. Um, and it gets me talking to all kinds of people about all kinds of things. But I feel like my calling is photography and, and specifically daily newspaper photography. Photojournalism has always... It excited my brain in a way that nothing else really has because there's there's this there's the thrill of the deadline but also all day you are i am out there i am meeting people i am making pictures and i get to i get to experience a moment with someone on either their worst day or their best day you know in the newspaper um but it really gives you all kinds of social interactions, the whole breadth, everything from, you know, I'd photograph like, you know, a cool science fair project at, at, at an elementary school in the morning. At lunchtime, maybe the governor's coming through town and I got to photograph the governor. Then maybe at night I've got some sort of sporting event. And maybe, you know, in between those times, you know, there's like a natural disaster or hopefully not, or some other newsworthy event or a portrait of somebody doing something important. Um, and so that allows, allows my, you know, you kind of stay nimble, you know, you can't really hold on to anything for too long. It's like this, go, this, go. This, yeah. Go. I think that really speaks to not only your ability to speak to all of these people, but it never feels like small talk. I've had conversations with you and I've seen you have conversations with people and it's always right to the heart of it. It's it's a phenomenal thing you do where you just drill right in and you're like, hey, this is the center of who you are. And this is the thing I would like to talk about. Pat's not talking about the weather. Pat is talking about your soul. Aw, thanks, man. Yeah. Well, and and I, I, I think that does come from the... I, I think a lot of that comes from the like getting to the the core of why we're together, you know. Why am I making a picture? Why are we here? What are we talking about? Um, and I I think that that. You know that's everything from like, it, it's man, I want to tell you guys about a story. Can I tell you a story? Go for Please it. do. All right, all right, all right. So one of the things I got a call on it was a slow news day at the paper that I was working at, and. uh there was a, we got a call over the scanner in the morning and then like a press release about, well, they're just going to let the tire fire burn out in West Augusta. So like, 
uh, they're like, it's a slow news day. Why don't you go out and make a picture just so that people aren't freaked out? They're billo- there's billowing black smoke. And I was like, all right, do we know what it is? And they're like, yeah, it's a junkyard. Just go out there. So <laughs> I drive out there and uh, I go to the address and there are a bunch of guys hanging outside of this truck. And I pull up and I just say, hey, guys, uh, is this where the fire's at? And and they were just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and after you have these 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 conversations enough or you're in a number of social situations enough you can kind of tell who's in charge it's like it's a weird thing and i'm sure other people that deal with a lot of people can tell it's like oh that person is important that person isn't so much there's something about the how people converse they're all around this one truck and i noticed that there's a guy in the truck and i'm like hey is is this your junkyard he was like it sure is he's this old fella and uh and i said do you mind if i go back and make some pictures he goes well, sure. Do you want to ride? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely yeah, want to ride, absolutely. please, and thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. Because it's not only is it like this character that is like, he's an old timer. I like talking to old timers. But he's also got this beautiful old truck. And so uh, I get in his car, and I was like, so what happened here? You know, I'm genuinely curious. And he said, I'm going to tell you the story. And I got some sound recordings somewhere of it, but I don't think I can dig them up quite quickly. But he goes... I said, so what happened? He goes, well, it was getting to be about bath time, and I get a phone call. And they said, A.B., there's some smoke coming out of your junkyard. And I come down here, and all my tires are on fire. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, man. And and then like he goes into the theory, and the theory is, his theory at the time was that someone torched him because they were jealous of all his tires. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, probably not, but okay, sure. You could have uncovered the jealousy ring of the tire fire. <laughs> tire fire. But so AB took me back there. I made some pictures. And as we were driving back, I get the picture that is like maybe one of the best I've ever made in my memory just because it's so serene. The picture of AB driving his truck, small guy, barely seen over the steering wheel. He's in his 70s or 80s at this point. He's telling me uh, what Bible verses to read so I can kill my wife. <laughs> and I, snap, I I take a picture of him driving, and outside is just a hellscape. It's like every tire you've ever seen on fire, and it's like huge, like six-foot flames and billowing black smoke. And meanwhile, he's just – he's living his life, man. And it's like and, – and I loved it, and I had such a great time. And, w- like, right as we were get, about to get back to the house, I see the photographer for the other paper – walking back to the tire fire and i just wave and i'm like knowing like i beat you (laughs) and that that picture of ab ran on the front page of the newspaper because i took the time to ask questions and had a conversation and is willing to say yes and like kind of go along so that's fantastic do you have access to that photo we'll share it with our listeners oh yeah yeah we'll we'll drop Uh, it in the uh, show description uh, that'd be great yeah, it's it's one of my favorite photos. Ever. I also think so. you identified a lot of your natural talent in there. I mean, you talk about how you identify the hierarchical situation that you're in. And how do you approach that? Do you tend to show deference to the, the higher or the lower? Or like, how do you deal with the alphas and the, and the betas in those situations? Man... That depends on the situation, doesn't sure. it? 
you know and you also like, talk about yes thing. ending a lot totally you got to go along with it i mean like otherwise why i mean like of course you got to keep yourself safe and i've gotten into some hairy situations where i realize that i'm like ah, maybe i'm in out of my maybe i'm a bit out over my skis on this one you know Certainly covering white supremacists in 2017, I realized I was out over my skis a bit. Please uh, share that, because that's always the picture I think about. I've seen a number of your pictures, but the one that always stands out to me is Confederate Santa. That that day was really hard, and um, uh, I, I think that the that body of work really did change how I, how I work and what I do. Um, let me let me back up on that one for a while because um my interest in this subject came from newspaper work because when i was here uh, when i worked at the newspaper here they have this at the time it was curious and kind of shocking in uh uh january the weekend before martin luther king day is lee jackson day uh, and for a while, it was on the same day as Martin Luther King Day. It used to be Lee Jackson King Day. And what it was was a day in Virginia where they celebrated Generals uh, Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson, where they would parade with flags uh, through the streets. Um, they'd uh, This happened... Only two cities had actual parades and actual demonstrations by the time I was making pictures and that was lexington virginia and richmond virginia um and richmond or lexington still does it um but it's it's i don't think they have the blessing from the city anymore to do it um which is interesting which is good but i i started photographing it because it was such a it was so crazy on the weekend of martin luther king day to also have this confederate parade i was curious about why people would celebrate that and i was curious it came from genuine curiosity yes i understand regional like a love of local history and a love of local people but like this was a bridge too far so i started photographing that and i started working on a body of work about the the kind of perverted memory and myth of stonewall jackson because he was a general who was uh, I believe he was the most popular figure of the Civil War only because he didn't live to lose. Sure. Did you guys know that his arm is buried like a hundred or so miles away from his body? What? <laughs> and has its own headstone? Why? What? He was ambushed in the Battle of the Wilderness or Chancellorsville. I think the Wilderness. It's the same battlefield, but two different times. And he, he was shot by his own men while he was out scouting. <laughs> and they tried to amputate his arm to save his life before they sent him back to Lexington. They amputated his arm at a field hospital, and then they shipped him out, and he died in Lexington. The doctor who amputated his arm said it was special, apparently, and and buried it in, like, a cornfield near the field hospital. And there's a headstone that's maintained to this day that says, Here lies the left arm of Stonewall Jackson. So was he idolized as much back then as he has been immortalized in our modern times or is that really uh daughters of, of the confederacy type thing that's a really good question um because i don't know uh the biographers and historians said that he was beloved by his cadets he actually did teach at the virginia military institute right 
So, and he was the only, he led his cadets, his students, into battle. And they, they followed him into a very dangerous battle. So that, that was noted history. However, because he was so beloved by his cadets, I think that's why his history is not accurate. You know, you think about someone you love, and after they're gone, uh, you know, oh yeah, of course he was the best human that ever lived. He, you know, I saw him lift a small car with one hand. I saw him fight a bear w- without even thinking about it and killed it with his I was going to say he only had one I arm. Don't know. How else was he going to fight the bear? <laughs> I think that he, because he was so popular, these myths were propagated. For example, one of the most popular is that he liked to suck on lemons because take your pick they good he the 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 stories they tell are wild i never thought i'd identify with him but here we are when life gives you lemons suck on them (laughs) i mean duh. well the stories are like the stories are like he enjoyed battle too much so he had to temper it in the eyes of god you know some people say that that's just he was just an odd fellow and he really liked to eat lemons. But the truth of it is, his biographer said he loved peaches. Huh. And he probably sucked on lemons because he was in the Spanish Civil War and didn't want to get scurvy. Oh, sure. It, all these all these myths are propagated because nobody has challenged it. And even there's a chapel on at VMI that was destroyed um, during the Civil War. And the VMI received federal reparations or federal funds to repair damage done during the civil war. So what, what they did with all that money is they built this giant chapel and named it Jackson Jackson chapel and had, had this huge mural behind the altar of the battle of new market, which is the one where he led his cadets into battle. And it's just a giant middle finger to the federal government to be like, yeah, thanks for the money. We're going to build this giant chapel and name it for our hero. And so here's the thing. Um, I've, I've photographed this for years, like these crazy myths, these weird things. There's a practice called the Stonewall Jackson Birthday Club for people who were born in Jackson's house when it was the municipal hospital for Lexington, Virginia, in like this small period during the 60s and 70s. And so I photographed a member of the Stonewall Jackson Birthday Club on his horse, which is the same kind of horse that Stonewall Jackson rode because he did the research on it and it's a rare breed. And of course he had it because he's that kind uh, of guy. The, the, I see that as like the last foothold for the lost cause. For example, like if Jackson would have survived, we would have won the war because he was such a brilliant man that. The argument is like, well, if he would have, if he would have stuck around, we would have won, and Lee wouldn't have surrendered, and the whole blah blah blah. That's used. These myths, these stories, were used to empower modern white supremacy, sure, and modern racist. Oh movements. shit, duh. Yeah, and you see it. I, I in 2017, I was commissioned to photograph a white supremacist. I think it was the national. I think it was actually Nazis, National Socialists. Um, Old Nazis they had a meet or up new in, Nazis. These are. I mean, <laughs> what's the difference, really? I think the accent. Well, if you if you ask some people, there's there's perfectly good people on both sides. Oh, <laughs> nobody says that anymore. 
And if they do, they should be shot out of the cannon into a sun. <laughs> but like the thing is, like, so I, 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 I was commissioned to photograph these guys because the thing is, I'm a white guy with a big beard. I can talk about trucks and history and guns. I can pass, right? Sure. And so I, I went down to Hazard County, Kentucky, and photographed a white supremacist training camp. Wow. I'm trying to remember. Was that the one where they forced you to turn your camera off at one point? <sighs> they did not, actually. I never let them get that close. I don't think they made me turn my camera off. Um, a lot of them said they, they wouldn't let me photograph them or give me their names. But once you hang out for a while, people start to loosen up. And that's how, you know, I got to meet them and talk to them and have these conversations. Had a conversation with Matthew Heimbach, who is one of the leaders of the NSM movement. And I remember talking to him. This is for The Guardian. I was working for them at this point. I, I was walking with Heimbach. They wanted to do a story on him. We were making a portrait. And I said, so, you know, how'd you get involved with this stuff? And he said, well, I was at university i think university of maryland there was a black student union and he set up the white student union and it was really screwed up but i said how'd you get into this and he goes oh well you know it's funny i was uh in college i was selling closet organizers and uh i found i could do that pretty well um and uh and i said well that's quite a jump from this and he goes yeah yeah i jumped from selling closet organizers to to americans to selling uh fascism to americans wow yeah, this was before. This was like they were emboldened by Trump for sure. Right, right. Yeah, because and that's what a lot of people don't either don't want to confront or 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 haven't realized is that this isn't something that just happened. This isn't something that he made happen. It's been here, and they just needed a new stone wall. In a way, yeah, that's really observant, Mike. I feel like Trump got into power, and that was all these guys needed to be like, see. We're doing we're doing all right. We got the White House, and then I went to the training camp with those guys, and then they had a they had a uh, demonstration the next day in Kentucky, and that's where I made the picture of the the um, Nazi Santa Claus, which was truly disturbing. But then it's crazy because I saw some of those same guys from Kentucky, a bunch of those same guys from Kentucky, in Charlottesville when that happened, and that's. That moment made me question a lot of what I was doing, and I—that's where my work ended on that on that subject. You were in Charlottesville at that moment, correct? Yeah, I was. I was about ten feet from that alleyway that um, where Heather Hayer got killed. Is it that you came to a point that you felt like your work, even though it was in a in an interest of understanding, did it come to a point where you thought it it could be misconstrued as? platforming i thought about that um you think about that after the fact um when you're in the moment you're more of when you're in the moment it's it you make the picture you know you know you know the story is there so you're making the pictures there's almost a responsibility to document exactly um and when after charlottesville happened i i had a major crisis of self and i definitely had some ptsd and i just no longer do the work mm -hmm. because it disgusted me 
not different viewpoints. I need to be clear about that because I feel like I you're certainly right that I do not want to platform anyone, but also I feel like it's important to have a variety of viewpoints. For example, let me let, let me kind of go down a little rabbit hole with this because after all that happened in Charlottesville, they covered up the the uh, statues of Lee and Jackson in black tart with black plastic. I remember that, yeah. That was wild. I mean, like that the visually those that was the craziest bit to me. It was like these cuz those statues are huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they're small if you look at a picture of them. My god, in person, it's like it's it's they're 30 feet tall and once you right? cover it in a black plastic bag that's rippling in the wind it's wild yeah. exactly shane it's nuts so um i remember i went down there the first day they were covered and i was like i i gotta see what this is all about and i went down there and so and like i was making some pictures and this guy showed up with a gun on his hip and a knife and he started cutting it down and he kept saying like these have been up for 150 years honoring great men. And I said, hold on a second. I said, you got it wrong information. That went up in 19, I think it was 26. The same year that the Democratic National Convention was called the Clan Bake. The picture of the unveiling of the Lee statue is a picture of the Lee statue being unveiled surrounded by pointy-headed Klansmen. There is no secret that this was a rallying point for white supremacy. But he was really taken aback. He was like, well, uh, I didn't think it was that. I, he didn't know. This guy had been fed bad information enough that he was out there armed with a knife and cutting it down, right? So I was in good faith when I was doing this work about Stonewall Jackson. I wanted to tell the story to get good information out there. You know, Stonewall Jackson was a man. He was a brilliant tactician. That's that's regardless of who you are, he was he was good at war. Um, but he's no god. Good at war. <laughs> that's something you want on your resume. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people who made their life on being good at war. Yeah. Still do, yeah. And and yeah, I can imagine because that type of it needs to be chronicalized, right? It needs to be shown to people so that in another two hundred years. There's record of, you know, so someone else can say, you know, no, this is where, you know, they mowed down that girl that was peacefully protesting. It's not where they, you know, made their great last stand against PC culture or whatever it is they're going to call it. So, yeah, no, I, I certainly do think it's important. And yeah, and I can also understand how being there for that can really make you question just personally for yourself like yeah what what you're doing and and it 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 was really hard to get through yeah you know and i don't like looking at photos from that day i don't have them public anywhere cuz it that it's it's it was well documented and i mm-hmm. don't necessarily know if i needed to be there you know what i mean yeah. because my story was on the background mm-hmm. do you remember that documentary that came out right after that where vice had all that access vice tv was hanging out with a crying Nazi. Sure, yeah. Well, they gave Vice access that day. They said, you're coming with us. We're going to show you the ropes. And after I saw that documentary, I recognized how they were treating the journalists because that's how they treated me and the reporter I was working with 
Lois Beckett in Kentucky. We got access. It was their strategy. Mm-hmm. We were being used yeah, that's to try to mainstream their message. Kind of mm-hmm. what it sounded like. And which goes to that they back tried to that platforming they, question of wa- walking mm-hmm. that fine line. Yeah, that was a turning point for me, and I also feel like it's just, I, I, I it's, it's disgusting to me. Like white supremacy should not be honored in any way, and that's why I don't. When I make pictures there, I can still have conversations with people. But um, I'll I'll tell you I I went to that one of those last Trump train rallies here in Stanton. Hopefully it's one of the last. And I I almost couldn't do it. Like, I was I, I almost... really surprised to see you go to that event. It was actually I was kind of happy to see you go to that event because it felt like Pat kind of getting into his old throes of you know representing this sliver of culture that we don't want to emulate. But oh boy, should we document? I that's I felt like I needed to document at least one of those Trump train things because it happened, and it happened know? really close to where you live. Which brings me to another question about the the fact that you live in in the in the Shenandoah Valley, and there's a lot of renaming of landmarks, and I'm kind of interested to know where you land and where you fall in that conversation of renaming schools and renaming hotels. I'm for it. The the only reason that those things were, let's put it this way. It used to be Stanton high school. Yeah. When it first started. Uh, And then they had segregated schools and they had segregated names for the schools. Why would we carry that on? One, it's white supremacy. It's absolutely people. Oh, uh, wh- <sighs> all right. Let's put it this way. It, it makes me it makes me gag a little bit because here's the thing. Um, I love the American South. I really do. I'm not from here. That's the thing. Like I have family roots here, but I'm not from here. I'm from Northeast Ohio. I love it here. I absolutely love it here. Why, when there are so many beautiful things to celebrate in the in the southern United States, why would you celebrate the time, and why would you celebrate the flag and the people who wanted to leave this country so they could own people? To me, that's like celebrating your grandfather with a photograph, but instead of a photograph where he's like looking sharp, and or like a picture of him with all the grandkids... You have a picture of him when he's in the hospital in his last days and he's shitting in a diaper. That is what celebrating the Confederacy is when you're living in the fucking South. Got it. Confederacy is a dying grandpa. Shitting in his shitting diaper. In a diaper. Shitting in a diaper. It's a shame, shitting in too, a diaper because, not- like, so I, I I did live down in, in the area for a, a short while. And as a northerner living there... um. As a person of color living there with his, at the time, white fiance, or sorry, no, white wife. We had been married at that point. It's been a, yeah, I was gonna say, it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, as, as a person of color with his, with his white wife in that area, I had such a mixed experience there, especially where we were living 
kind of being right on the edge of like owner occupied single family homes and rent properties where most of the town's um you know black population lived and also working in a in a building that is not for them in a lot of systemic ways but yeah. then also being exposed to americana in a really real way that makes you just wish like yeah i wish that the dying old grandpa and his shitting diaper wasn't a thing because then i could appreciate this a little bit more that's how i always feel about your truck month work and it's kind of being like well there's all this kind of other not terrible hateful stuff happening too dude here's the thing like this is why I love what I do with Virginia Folklife. Because I'm, I've been working with Virginia Folklife for the past decade now, which is nuts to me. But um, first of all, I'm sorry it was difficult. And I know it is. And I know that people of color don't have an easy time. And that breaks my heart. And that's why, Shane, you asked about the signs uh, coming down. Like the Stonewall Jackson is no longer. The, it's now 24 North Hotel. Yeah. I had a friend of mine who I work with in Charlottesville said, oh, yeah, he's he's a Virginian. He grew up in rural Virginia. He, he's, he's, he's black. He's got, he's got roots in Virginia many generations back. And he said, oh, yeah, I just never came to Stanton because I knew I wasn't allowed there. And I said, what do you mean? He was like, you had a neon red sign that said Stonewall Jackson. I'm not going there. And that, and that hurt me. And when they took it down, anybody who said, well, oh, we should, why should we change the name? I said, you know because what? people didn't feel safe in our town. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. You know what I like about Stanton? The downtown, how beautiful it is. I want people to experience it. I want people to go at my friend's restaurant and get a killer burrito. You know, I want to, I want to take them out for coffee and like show them a good show and like take them around, but they're not going to set foot in the town if there's, if we're celebrating racists. Yeah. Right. So, like, let's let's be real about it. Yeah. And because it's bullshit. I've heard that before, too, with people I work with. I tell them where I'm from and they're like, oh, that town. Yeah, I don't go there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So but the thing is, what I love about working at the Virginia Folklife program is that. We we are. A lot of people think folklife is just, you know, basket weavers and banjo makers yeah i mean i think i hear folk life and i just think some pretty like log cabin (laughs) fire in the woods yeah right you know what the third most spoken language in the arlington school district is mongolian wow yeah okay they're one of the one of the most amazing like there's the largest population of Bolivians outside of Bolivia in Virginia. There is one of the largest populations of Filipino people outside of the Philippines in Virginia. That there is so much, and also let's not forget that the banjo comes from Africa. Right. Right. It's a. Sure. It's it's it has roots in the Goni. Right. And 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 the Cora. Uh. Like, <laughs> hardly any of Virginia folk life is white culture. <laughs> right. It's it's Virginia culture and that's what I love. And I was on the phone two days a couple days ago 
with uh, a Filipino baker in Virginia Beach, and we're going to work on getting his mother a grant uh, to <laughs> to develop, help her son develop some recipes for the for their bakery. And it's it's something that we can do. We can, you know, one of the one of the things that we can do as um, that I'm happy is that I can become part of the story. I don't have to remain at arm's length. So I can say, let us help you. What do you need? You know, so that looks like a different thing. For, that looks like different things for a lot of different people. Um, but I I got way off the track there. No, it's a <laughs> what perfect, were we even talking perfect about? track. Yeah, I've... it it it's lovely, and that's why like there's a lot of that here. And granted, where we live is um is pretty pretty white. The, the valley's pretty white. Um, but there but it's not a only lot of white. No, there's a lot of no, man, it's... yeah there's a lot of culture to embrace and i hate to say diversity because there's this weird back and forth between diversity and representation and it's like no you're not diverse you're part of this community you should be as equally represented as all other parts and at the folk life i know that's what you do and Definitely. i'm it, you know, you think of Southern folk life, you might think of a lot of Confederate flags, and that's not what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. There's none of that. There's we we don't we don't suffer that. You know, that that's that's a blip. I also in the history books, right? Feel like there's another fifty minute episode with you, Pat, where we talk about music history. Holy hell! Man, what kind of music do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> I, we can't even get into it because we are like at the end of your interview. And oh, man. <laughs> I know we've been going for a good amount of time. Hey, I'll tell you this. Heavy metal is, has roots in Richmond and Richmond is one of the best heavy metal cities. in yeah, the Yeah, talk, talk about right. your band a little bit. Um, yeah, go for it. Oh, yeah, damn. give us okay. give a little insight into the, the other creative <laughs> outlet of Pad All right, well... Well, I'm I'm actually in three bands, oh, okay. which is funny. I only knew of two. Uh, when did you get into a third one? Well, there's the the there's the jazz band. It's called Boxcar Speakeasy, and we play jazz tunes from New Orleans, mostly hundred year old songs. And they're so good. Some of the greats. Oh man, we, we and and that's we're all, we're just playing covers, and and we try to we try to stick to the greats, and we try to you know tell the stories on who wrote them. You know, mostly black. Uh, writers i know we're a bunch of white guys playing black music but my god bunk johnson is one of my very favorites and and we play a lot of killer tunes by those guys and we give credit where credit's due because holy crap those guys are good um i'm also in a cover band that covers like you know dad rock so that's called (laughs) thomas jefferson airplane but we haven't practiced at all those bands during uh quarantine because it's hard to get together and sing songs in a room together but the smallest band I'm in is a heavy metal band, and we've we decided that we're we're in a social bubble during quarantine. So that band's called Hemeyer, and uh, named after Marvin Hemeyer, who in 2004 built the Killdozer, <laughs> <laughs> and went on a rampage and uh, did seven million dollars worth of property damage in a morning. <laughs> and uh, it's it's wild. Uh, it's. He was an unstable guy. There's a documentary about it on Netflix called Tread. Oh, okay. I'd, I'd suggest watching it. But it's an instrumental sludge metal band. Uh, and, and back uh, when you were allowed to go see shows, I went to go see one of 
Pat Jarrett's He Meyer Heavy Metal shows, and there were more speakers on stage than people. <laughs> let's have a, you know we got we got metal, more of baby. those right. Oh, it's dude, I love. I feel like I'm blasting like I'm blasting the filth off my body. I don't think the germs can survive. <laughs> the vibration this is, the loud is just cleaning your pores out. Oh man, it feels so good. But it's a uh, we're 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 a huge. It's a huge sound. It's two basses and a drummer. No vocalist. No guitarist. Yes, you heard that right. Oh yeah. Two we're on a uh, we're on Instagram. We just got an Instagram at uh, Hemeyer Doom. We'll put that in we the description. We get together once a week and and make a whole bunch of hellacious noise and we're gonna record something you occasionally go live yeah, sometimes it's, it's you? you know we go we're on facebook too and and we go live on facebook sometimes it's just like it's a really it's a really good outlet for angst you know like if, if uh, how do you deal with uh that's a what i was gonna like say maria <laughs> We've been locked up. We're we're feeling we're all feeling like guys, I don't know how you've been doing it, but like I woke up the other morning and it was a beautiful day and I I opened up the curtains and I was alone and I just said, "I hate this." You know? Yeah. Like I just hate <laughs> yeah. it. And I know that I it's it's it, I wear a mask. I don't leave my house. And I just don't I I hate that. And so how do you deal with that kind of existential angst? of being locked up and scared and not scared, but like thinking about it all the time and stressed out about a gaslighting president, then making a whole bunch of hellacious noise. Yeah. And that's what we do. And it helps. I mean, oh, we appreciate noise. you coming out and making some hellacious noise with us this evening. Kyle. <laughs> oh man. Did I sound that we bad? Do. We do. <laughs> and, uh, you can, you can, you can check out Pat Jarrett. Uh, we'll have all of his, socials and uh and uh some of his work down in the description pat what are you gonna what are you gonna share with our listeners today guys i really do want to share with you like some of the recordings that we made from he Meyer. it's just a cell phone video but man the spirit of the the band really comes through and i'd like for you to hear it Ooh, that'll be cool our uh our fun portion is going to be a little meta this week. It's, we're going to post it on the Twitters. We'll post it on the Facebooks. Also, uh, with your permission, of course, uh, if you have any pictures that you are comfortable sharing with us, we will share them to some of our social medias. Last week, we shared <laughs> we a number of cat photos. So that's oh, what you're dude, competing with. I know the internet photos? loves Come cat on, man. I love cat. Guys, I, I love cat photos. You know what? Scrub the <laughs> podcast. Let's talk about cats. Oh my god! My girlfriend's got a black cat called Ivy. I mean, she's all black and yellow eyes. I love her. So actually, oh, Tuesday morning tomorrow, uh, the eighth Tuesday, the eighth of December, uh, I'm going to be going live on Instagram with uh, the Virginia Museum of Contemporary Art. Awesome. So Virginia Mocha, um, there's going to be an artist conversation um, between at uh, let's see here at 11 a.m. So it's a little bit early. It's coffee and conversation and uh i'm going to be talking about the work that's in the mocha that is a picture of uh the robert e lee statue in charlottesville uh draped awesome so that's currently in their new waves show but other than that yeah i had a great time in your podcast even though i felt feel like i kind of dominated the conversation that's I'm the sorry. point you're the highlighted artist that's the point of being the guest <laughs> oh, yeah come on. 
I'm so much better in a social situation where they're like, where we're drinking and like hanging out. I mean, I was drinking. I don't know what you were doing, but. (laughs) Look, you, like many of our other artists, are going to get a second part. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll have you come on and you can be one of our our guest uh, AMA AMA guests for the the Patreon. uh, You know, Patreon. Big responsibility. But maybe, maybe we will get. (laughs) But maybe. Uh, yeah, so Pat, if you'd like to plug our Patreon <laughs> at the end of this episode, go on the Patreon. You can see pictures of me naked. <laughs> it's a lot to live hey, up to. Tasteful, they're tasteful. That's that's the fifteen dollar income. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the yeah, third, yeah, tier. Yeah. 15, third tier. Yeah. Follow, follow my OnlyFans. OnlyFans. <laughs> it's just pictures of oscillating fans. Pat, thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you, Pat. Love you guys too. Thanks for having me. Again, thank you. Pat for coming out and having a conversation with us tonight. Pat Jarrett, photographer, musician, all around great guy. And that brings us to our audience engagement. Mike, this week, how should we engage with our audience? Or how should our audience engage with us? This week, what we want you to do is head to one of our social media platforms and share with us a picture. This picture should be something that encapsulates an idea that either you hold or you think someone else holds. Uh, no holds bar. Uh, you don't just make it social media friendly. And our social medias you can post that at. One of them is our Twitter at Actlist Pod. And the other is our Facebook at facebook.com slash active listeners pod. So hop on those and please join in the conversation. Peace. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating. And if you really like what you hear and you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash active listeners pod and become a patron our theme music it's a trap was created by remodel thanks for listening